This is Taekwon Lewis. You're listening to Dash to the Draft on Sports Crunch. Welcome back to Sports Crunch with D. Crom, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, David Cromwell. We are now less than 20 days away from the 2018 NFL Draft. Oh, it can't get here sooner. I can't even wait 20 more minutes. But nonetheless, in that spirit, we continue our division-by-division draft previews today with a look at the NFC West. As we sit now in this particular division, the Rams have assembled a Super Bowl or bust roster, if not one of the most Super Bowl or bust rosters I've personally ever witnessed. The 49ers are a young team with a rising young star quarterback on the rise that are eager to take that next step, and both the Cardinals and the Seahawks find themselves in the midst of roster makeovers. To help us analyze how each of these four teams can get better in this 2018 NFL Draft, it's a pleasure to welcome back to the program Josh Forrest of Tyrant Scouting. How are you, Josh? Doing fantastic. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic as well, man. I Like I said, uh, 20 days. Oh, I can't even wait 20 more minutes. Let's just get this thing over with so many rumors and smoke screens in the air. Can't wait for all this noise to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, the NFL draft to me has always been like uh, Christmas in the springtime. So it's always an exciting time uh, when you can get a little bit of piece of football whenever you can. I completely agree. It's definitely like my Christmas or Hanukkah as well in the springtime. And let's start our draft discussion this evening with a look at the San Francisco 49ers who own the ninth overall pick in this draft and I see four players that are realistically in play for the 49ers at that spot Roquan Smith Tremaine Edmonds Harold Landry or Derwin James if you were John Lynch who would you have as the highest of those four on your board honestly like I said I would personally I believe uh, their biggest factor for me uh, let me just go first and say the 49ers have are quietly going to surprise a couple teams if not uh, surprising a lot of people already Uh, don't get it twisted their record isn't great but from last season but they are trying to make some moves that are really going to turn some heads I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they actually ended up going running back but in terms of the players that you mentioned I would definitely either say Derwin James or uh, Roquan Smith. Uh, Derwin James just because he's an X-factor on that back end and obviously it seems like they're not going to you know resign Eric Reed and that's fine uh, you know but if you're not going to have uh, someone back you're going to have to replace them effectively. Derwin James can do that. He's not the same player as Eric Reed who is a over-the-top kind of guy, but I think he can come downfield and be a thumper and a force in that secondary. And then if you don't want to go, say, safety, go with Roquan Smith. You know, Ruben Foster has got some stuff going on. He's got some off-the-field issues. I don't think they're... I think he can come back if he cleans up his act. I think he could be a great player, but say for some reason whatsoever, he keeps making mistakes. Roquan is a great player as well. He can fill in and he can dominate and be a, uh, one of the, a linebacker there in the mold of a Patrick Willis type. Oh, absolutely. And like I've said in some of the mocks I've done previously, that uh, the 49ers, if they take Roquad Smith uh, at worst, if uh, Reuben Foster cannot get his uh, off-the-field stuff together, they have more than a capable replacement for him. And if uh, they do take Roquad Smith and Reuben Foster does clean up his off-the-field act, they'll forget the Willis and Bowman days and enjoy the uh, Roquad Smith-Reuben Foster days. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, like I said, as a Rams fan, I say fingers crossed that, you know, Reuben Foster has success with another team. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, but I, I really hope he does get his act together. Uh, fingers crossed for him. Yes, and you mentioned the 49ers uh, could surprise some people at nine. Um, it has been floated around that Saquon Barkley might fall out of the top eight. And if Saquon Barkley is there at nine, even if 
even with all the money the 49ers gave uh, Jarek McKinnon and how much Kyle Shanahan has praised him uh, already, uh, do you seriously see the 49ers taking Saquon Barkley if he's there at nine? Yeah, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised. It, the NFL draft is, you know, some teams draft based on need, others draft based on value. I see, uh, hopefully, you know, John Lynch, he, as a GM, I think he sees a lot of value in players. I think he has a lot of great people in his ear in that personnel department. I think they're going to draft based off value. So, they have some other needs that are important, but if you're going to have Jimmy Garoppolo, who I think is going to be, no matter how good any QB in this rookie class does next season, I think he'll be he'll be a leagues better. So that's fine. They have their quarterback for a few years. You need to have a running back who's going to be a certified three down, four down prospect who can play in all aspects of the game. You know, Saquon Barkley to me is definitely a Todd Gurley type, and what I mean by that is he can do it all, and he he won't he won't stop. He has that engine, that high motor, that high character, and that high football IQ that can allow any team to change their offense completely. So while they have the quarterback of their future, they still need to solidify that running back position. There's never no such thing as saying ha- having too many great players. And Jared McKinnon, like you said, is a great player, but you know if you have two running backs in that backfield who are great players, that's not going to be a bad problem. And another option the 49ers could be looking to with the ninth pick is potentially trading it to the New York Giants plus their first round pick next year for Odell Beckham Jr. Would you be willing to do that if you were John Lynch? Yeah, and actually let me, uh, in order to reference that, I honestly thought that he was going to be around. I'm a little upset about that. But, uh, you know, Odell Beckham is a, is, a, is a generational talent, to say the least. And I think some of his off-the-field antics get a little bit overinflated. I think he's a great player who honestly doesn't do terrible things off the field. He's not dealing drugs or hitting women per se. But, yeah, he's, he's a kid who just wants to have fun off the field. If I'm a head coach or if I'm a GM, I would be okay with that. So at the end of the day, it's also like we said before in the previous statement, you want to help your quarterback of the future. You have Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, if you're comfortable with Jared McKinnon, go ahead and deal your two ones and go get and go ahead and just get uh, Odell Beckham. You know, if you're not comfortable, go ahead and get Saquon Barkley and let him help and just do a run, 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 play action pass offense. If you're not comfortable with that trade out, give it your pick to the Jets sit back and relax and watch everybody else make their decisions in the draft. There are a lot of options in this class because there's so much depth at the receiver position and also at the running position at, at positions that they need on the offensive side of the ball. So I would say the biggest thing that wouldn't surprise me at that pick would be the, the Jets coming in and taking that trade. Uh, I think Odell Beckham is a potential option, but I think the Giants are doing a lot of smokescreen out there just to kind of shop it around. It would be very disappointing if the Giants decided to part ways with Odell Beckham just because he's gotten in trouble a couple of times with the media. Don't let the media dictate or who your talent on the team is. Like I said, if the person had a drug-related issue or a domestic violence issue, why are you even talking about shopping this player? What, because he makes a couple of jokes or he hangs out on a boat shirtless a couple of times? That's not a big deal. So it's all about making the right decisions. Now, the 49ers are in a position where they can they can do whatever they want. But like I said, don't be surprised if the Jets come in and take that ninth pick. Oh, you mean the Giants, not the Jets, correct? Excuse me, Giants, Giants. All right. 
at least they, they have two New York teams. We have two LA teams. Yes. There's way too many. <laughs> Absolutely. Excuse and plus me. the Giants and Jets are picking back to back. So that's what makes it even more Absolutely. intriguing. Yeah. And now moving right along here, let's come up with the ideal four round haul for the 49ers, assuming they stay put with the ninth pick. And for the sake of uh, who you, what you just said, let's give them Roquan Smith with the ninth overall pick. And they next pick in the second round at 59 overall, the pick they got from New Orleans Saints in the deal that netted the Saints Alvin Kamara in the third round last year. The 49ers, uh, if you get Roquan Smith this round, round two, I think you got to take your playmaker to help Jimmy Garoppolo. What uh, kind of playmakers uh, do you see them considering there? Like uh, Rashad Penny of San Diego State definitely makes sense, I think, in Kyle Shanahan's offense, and I think he's available there. Absolutely. Rashad Penny is a tough old-school running back. He can give him the ball you know, three or four times every single down. He, he's a running back that can take the punishment and really show what you can do with an old-school power back. He's also that guy in the fourth quarter you want carrying the ball because he has great ball security, great leg drive, great power, and he's not going to take no for an answer. He's definitely a running back. Also, at near the end of the season, you want to give the ball to because teams are tired and wore down, they're injured, and this guy, he can come on fresh and he can do some turns up heads. Yes, but let's say Rashad Penny is gone by 59. What other playmakers do you think would be available there? Awesome. So, yeah, receiver Anthony Miller from Memphis. I think he's a guy who could actually do very well for the 49ers. He's a blue-collar type receiver. He's got a very, very high motor just at that receiver position. He has great hands, and he's a tough uh, old-school receiver who can, who's not afraid to block and just do anything for the team. And like I said, you know, you want to give as many offensive weapons and offensive pieces to Jimmy Grappolo as possible. I think that's a, even though he'll be a rookie coming in, he's going to show have a lot of consistency and he'll bring a lot of stability to that position and that receiving core. He most certainly will, although because of injury concerns um, with him, he has a history of foot problems. Uh, he could slide into the third round and be available at 70 overall, but uh, if uh, his medicals check out fine, uh, the 49ers might have to pounce on him in 59, especially if those uh, running backs in uh, Sony Michelle. Nick Chubb, Ronald Jones, and Rashad Penny are all gone uh, by then. So we've given them Roquan Smith so far and either Rashad Penny or Anthony Miller with their second-round pick. And they own two third-round picks thanks to the trade with the Bears last year that netted the Bears, Mitchell Trubisky. And at 70 overall, we've given them their linebacker. We've given them another offensive weapon. I think they should look at some edge rushers here because uh, their edge rushing depth is not that good. Mm. Yeah, ed- edge rushing is definitely something. They had Solomon. T- sorry, excuse me. They had actually edge rushing is actually a very important piece for them because they're going to need. It's going to be a passing league, and then you have Jared Goff. You're going to have a new quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals, and then you also just want to make sure that in general, you just want to make sure you, it's a passing league now. So you're going to have to ensure yourself that you get guys who can get after the quarterback. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what edge rushers do you think would be available around this pick? For my edge rushers, honestly, like I said, uh, one of my favorite players of this draft was Harold Landry. Uh, I just want to kind of give him a quick shout out. I think that when I see him as a player and the way he plays, uh, he's an aggressive defender. He can do a lot of things that I think can change the game as a whole. But he'll be gone by here. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely, he will be, and he'll be. Um, it'll be unfortunate for them. But one of the the edge rusher I like the most, well, for uh, from the outside position for the thirty four backer position, uh, I that I have a lot of respect for it, watching in the uh, for the upcoming scouting draft, and was uh, I had I think Duke Riley from uh, LSU. I thought. Sorry, excuse me about that. Duke Edgeafor from Wake Forest, you mean? Yeah, excuse me. Yeah, Duke Edgeafor. I'm so sorry. 
that's okay. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm not butchering his name, but I thought what Mike Forrest was, I think he was a great player. And I thought he, uh, he's been, from what I've seen on tape, I think he can really, really do some things. Like I said, from just a pass rusher standpoint immediately, I think he'll have to work a little bit in coverage if he's going to play an outside position. But I think he'll turn some heads coming in and he can really help early as a rookie. Yes, but the 49ers actually play a 4-3 front, a scheme similar to the Seahawks under defensive coordinator Robert Sally. And that was one of the reasons why Richard Sherman decided to sign with the 49ers. So uh, do you think Duke Ejiofor can play in their 4-3 base? I think if he if he can make the transition effectively, I think that's going to be a big factor for him. But I think it, he might have to sit a, just a little bit to sit and learn about the process, but I think he'll be able to play well. Yeah, so we've given them Roquan Smith, Rashad Penny, Duke Ejiofor, and at pick 74, I think you need to start addressing the secondary here. There's some good corners or safeties that could be had at this time. Absolutely. The cornerback class and the safety class are probably some of the more underrated. The free safety class and the cornerback class are very deep. I think we had a really good conversation last time about the defensive back class. One of the players I thought we're talking, we're looking at that low round pick that I like, someone who's been, this Tony Brown from Alabama. Uh, I liked him as a corner who's been actually impressing me from uh, for a while now. I think he's uh, not making Fitzpatrick. He isn't uh, as adept as he is playing at other positions. And But I think he can play, come in early as a contributor on special teams and eventually get a starting role. All right. So we've given them Roquan Smith, Rashad Penny, or Anthony Miller. We've given them Duke Ejiofor, and we've given them Tony Brown. For the secondary help in round four, 128 overall, I'm thinking you have to uh, invest in your offensive line here because Joe Staley ain't getting any younger, and I'm not sure the pieces they have uh, necessarily fit what Kyle Shanahan wants in his offensive linemen. So uh, what uh, offensive linemen, whether tackle guard or center, do you think should be available here for the 49ers that they should highly consider? I think the center class isn't as strong as it is last year, and I think you want to go guard here, uh, more center or guard, because you want to make sure you get the best players available in those positions to build build your offensive line. I like uh, Sean uh, <clears throat> Sean Welsh from Iowa. He's a like I said, he's an old school. Big, he's a Big Ten lineman, and the Big Ten I believe is one of the tough conferences now in America. Uh, he's a guy who really played a lot of great ball and a lot of great big time games in Iowa. And he was a big part of that turnaround just for that team as a whole. I think he could be a great pick to help them build their offensive line, not only now, but in the future as well. That would actually make a lot of sense, especially considering the fact that uh, they took two trips to Iowa in the draft last year by taking (laughs) CJ Beathard and George Kittle. So John Lynch will love himself some Iowa Hawkeyes and moving from the 49ers to the Arizona Cardinals who are entering a new era under new head coach uh, Steve Wilkes and like I said at the intro they are undergoing a roster makeover so they could go in multiple directions here they need another right tackle after trading away Jared Valdir to the Broncos they need more help in the secondary following the release of Tyron Matthew Uh, Larry Fitzgerald this could be his last year they need another wide receiver to replace him and they have a lot of other needs they could look at a defensive tackle to replace Calais Campbell, and they were sorely missing him last year, as was uh, you could see every Sunday. Uh, which need would you address at 15, provided the Cardinals stay there as expected? Some people say they're going to trade up, but it was reported tonight by one of their top beat writers that he doesn't expect them to trade up because the price is going to be too steep. Absolutely. I think, it, you know, for me, if I'm if I'm drafting, you want to go, want to build your O-line, D-line, just to build for the future. There's, like I said, like you said before, there's a lot of needs that they have. The biggest one, I just want to reference Larry 
Fitzgerald. He's a, you know, it's going to be really sad when he retires. And this is coming from a Rams fan. I used to hate him watching scoring touchdowns on me or watching scoring touchdowns on the team. But uh, right now, the receiver position can wait. The uh, other positions can wait just a little bit because you want to make sure before you bring in, say, a quarterback or a running back or any other skill position, you want to make sure your O-line and D-line are also in a safe position. I think you want to go, if I'm picking uh, in, in that position, I would go offensive lineman. So I would say either Connor Williams or Mike McGlinchey from Notre Dame. I, I think either of those players would be great picks at that spot. Uh, Connor Williams is you know, kind of coming off that knee injury, but from what I've seen, he's been testing well. From what I've been hearing, he's been doing okay in the testing facilities. Mike McGlinchey from Notre Dame, though, I think he's a guy who can be an excellent bookend on your tack- on that tackle position. He's a guy who... <laughs> who played at Notre Dame for a while. He's got a great experience and great big game experience. So making that transition to the NFL shouldn't be as tough for him. Absolutely. You can't go wrong with either Connor Williams or Mike McGlinchey, but for the sake of this uh, four-round mock we're doing, let's give them Connor Williams at 15 overall. And their next pick is at 47 overall. And I think this is where the receivers, there's going to be a run on receivers in the early second round. And uh, you have to start looking for bodies that'll be able to take over for Larry Fitzgerald. So which uh, receivers uh, should the Cardinals look at at 47? We mentioned Anthony Miller. They should definitely look at him if his medicals come back clean. But what about some other guys like uh, DJ Chark of LSU comes to mind, for instance? Yeah, DJ Chark, I think, is a pretty nice receiver. His stock has been coming up a lot in this offseason. He's been testing very well. I've been high on receiver Cortland Sutton uh, for a while now from Southern Methodist. I think he's a pretty decent receiver. What I really like about him, he's got that it's that 218 frame, that 63218 build. Uh, not a burner, but he's got that tough catch radius. He's a lot like a, a Larry Fitzgerald type, and that's what I think you want to, if you're going to try to replace a receiver, you want to try to go best to into his mold and Cortland Sutton I think is would be a great fit for them that way he can come in learn from Larry Fitzgerald and then eventually take into that role if they don't like Larry Fitzgerald or sorry Cortland Sutton in terms of age I think that's the biggest thing he's got a lot of growing to do he's uh he's in that little bit of that youth movement I like uh, Equinamius St. Brown he's a I think a year older but he's a 6'5 214 guy and he's got a little bit more speed uh what I want to see is just a little bit more consistency but like I said either one of those receivers and including DJ Chark as well they'll have that excellent benefit of having Larry Fitzgerald as their mentor yes and I think Cortland Sun would actually make the most sense for them because he's that big body receiver in the mold of Alshad Jeffrey that could help any quarterback you throw into the fray there so we've given them Connor Williams with their first round pick we've given them Cortland Sutton with their second round pick and they own two third round picks the first one being 79 overall and I think this is the spot where I think it's safe to start uh, looking at uh, what quarterbacks are left because uh, Sam Bradford, uh, you can't count on him staying healthy, and Mike Lennon is uh, pretty much a backup who, dare I say, made Trevor Simeon look like a saint at times last year. God, Mike Lennon was awful. So uh, <laughs> so quarterbacks that could be available there, like um, Mike White of Western Kentucky is one that, that stands out, or maybe Kirk Bankert from Virginia. Which quarterback do you think would be good for the Cardinals to snatch up in the third round at pick 79? Well, the biggest thing about quarterbacks, I thought, you know, Mike White and Kurt Banker, those are very, both are good, good quarterbacks that you mentioned right there. You know, it's a passing league now and the quarterback position has been grossly overinflated. So you're going to see a lot of players who may not have the production uh, in college, but they have the tools that can be molded. So they're going to be drafted high. And 
honestly, you know, you'll, you're probably, you might, I could see Mike White, Luke Folt, and Kurt Baker creeping up, you know, into the Mike White, for instance, creeping up from round four to round three, Luke Falk round four, and then maybe Kurt Baker round five. I think Kurt Baker or Luke Falk would be a great fit for Arizona, just in terms of Luke Falk, I think as a player, he's, he's a gritty, tough, tough kid. He's, he was a former walk-on. He hasn't had a lot of consistent success. He's struggled at times, but when he's come back after failing, he's done an excellent job. It's going to be tough playing the quarterback position in Arizona, at least for a little bit, but he's got a, a great chance to come in and sit back and watch and then maybe step into a starting role near the end of the season. Because like you said, Sam Bradford, he's been injured for a while. You know, I'm a Rams fan. This guy hasn't. This guy can't walk into a training facility without stubbing his toe and being out for the year. So I think Luke Falk does have an opportunity to play because of the lack of strength at that QB position. But I don't think he'll need to, he won't be able to play immediately. Just sit back and watch, then learn from them, and then come in and take over. Yes, that would make sense. Luke Falk uh, got a lot of praise at the Senior Bowl. I saw him down there. He actually looked uh, very good at times in practice. He looked uh, better than Josh Allen on a couple days, as a matter of fact. So that would be much better value for the Cardinals at 79 than training up for Josh Allen. So we've given him Connor Williams. Cortland Sutton, and Luke Falk. They still need more secondary help, uh, so which corners or safeties uh, should they consider at 97? Yeah, the cornerback in the safety position. The safety position is a little bit weaker than the cornerback class, but I think that, you know it would be a perfect time to actually go ahead and go for safety. I like uh, Godwin Iguabuki from Northwestern. Ooh. I really hope I got his name, cor- his name correctly, but for me, like I said, I, I love the Big Ten. I love watching Big Ten ball, and he's a, he was a fun player to watch just – because he flew around, he broke well, he was a frequent competitor, he was a really good general on that back end of the secondary. And one of the things I like the most is that he knew how to tackle. And then this entire postseason, his stock's been rising because he's also been testing very well. So if the Cardinals got him and they combined, they paired him with Buda Baker, I think they could be, that could really change the secondary because what they need from them right now is just make players who know how to tackle. And I think Godwin really does know how to tackle, and that's going to be important. And for the record, I live in Evans Illinois, so I've seen a lot of Godwin on television and in person, and he is uh, going to be a very, very good football player. He would be good value at 97. So we've given them Connor Williams, Cortland Sutton, Luke Falk, Godwin Igwebuke, and at 134 overall, there's a lot of different options. They could go corner, they could get another receiver. Um, uh, what would you do here if you were uh, Steve Kine? I would say go ahead and keep building that depth at corner. Like I said, I'm, as a former defender, and like I said, I love the defense. I would actually go keep going ahead, and hopefully my guy, Michael Joseph from Dubuque, is there. Maybe he drops a little bit because of that D3 background, but my, I like Michael Joseph there at that spot. I think he comes in. I think he has a lot of versatility. He played corner in college, but I think he can also end up playing free safety because he has such uh, good ball skills. But I think Michael Joseph could be a great guy who can come in as a special teams player at the beginning, but then provide depth at both safety and cornerback positions. And that does it for the Cardinals. And now moving on to the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks, their window of championship contention, we could pretty much say is officially closed. They unloaded Michael Bennett. They unloaded Richard Sherman. They're reporting listening to offers for Earl Thomas right now. 
Uh, and this could be Pete Carroll's final season as an NFL head coach. Times are changing in Seattle, and they only have two picks in the first four rounds as a result of the Sheldon Richardson trade and the Dwayne Brown trade. And when you look at the Seahawks, uh, they have a lot of options with their first-round pick at 18 overall. But which do you think would be more important for the Seahawks to do here? Revamp the secondary or help protect Russell Wilson? Well, when you're talking about revamping the secondary, it's the important thing to make sure you get value. You draft on value and not based on need. So I think if you if you get that pick right there, you want to go ahead and get, I would say go Ronnie Harrison from Alabama if you want to go from that secondary position. I think he's a, a good value player if you're trying to you know add to that secondary. And in regards to Earl Thomas, I don't think they'll end up shopping him maybe up until the point where it might be a draft day trade or something that happens a little bit later on the later on during the offseason but i think there's a good chance that he will stay a seahawk and they have an opportunity for ronnie harrison to learn from earl thomas and even if they do if earl thomas does end up getting shot before the draft or in the offseason ronnie is a guy who can actually come in and be has that enforcer mentality and has also great range and great ball skills to be a playmaker on that back end yeah and as a matter of fact speaking of ronnie harrison daniel jeremiah said on his podcast a couple weeks ago that some people in the league have Ronnie Harrison higher on their safety boards than his teammate Mika Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I think I think that's just because you look at Ronnie and you know that okay, he plays safe. I I know where to put him. That's what his game is. Mika Fitzpatrick. We had, we had this conversation a few months ago. He's he's an athletic chess piece. You can either put him at corner, put him at nickel, put him at safety, and you but you always want to make sure you know that he understands where he needs to play every single snap. And so it might be a lot. They might put a lot on the rookie uh, at the beginning for Fitzpatrick. But with Ronnie Harrison, you know what his game is. And it's not so as difficult to find a scheme with him and kind of build around him. And but let's say the Seahawks decide we have to get uh, improve our offensive line this time around and help uh, protect our franchise and Russell Wilson, who was the MVP of our team hands down last year, we would have been like three and 13 had it not been for Russell Wilson. So uh, when you look at these offensive line options here, I think the Seahawks have to be thinking guard here because they just have an absolutely atrocious interior offensive line and at the pressure that frustrates quarterbacks, even the most mobile ones like Russell Wilson, is that pressure up the gut. So if you want to protect Russell Wilson here, two guys the Seahawks have to be considering are Isaiah Wynn from Georgia or Will Hernandez from UTEP. Which one of those two do you think would better fit the Seahawks? Isaiah Wynn, I like a lot from Georgia just because he played in the SEC. Uh, he had that injury. Obviously, you know, he's got a little bit of concerns, but... I think that, you know, he's a player who did, he has no problem protecting. He's a big, heavy guy. He's got a lot of experience. He's a tough kid. And he's going to be playing that NFC West where you got to, he's going to be playing the Rams twice a year. You're going to take on Sue. You're going to take on Aaron Donald. You're going to take on Dominique Ely. You're going to take on other pass rushers as well, like from the Cardinals. You're going to take on Marcus Golden. you got a lot of problems that you're going to deal with in the NC, NFC West. And Isaiah has done it because he's a guy who played against Alabama and then back down. He's a tough, tough competitor. I think I would go with him. That would be my first guy. Um, and my second guy, I think Will Hernandez. He's a guy who's risen. Uh, his stocks, I think he's a very strong, tough interior lineman, but he's going to need a little bit of time just to coach and make sure that 
he doesn't get beat by those interior linemen. He's a guy who might struggle early with that, but Isaiah is definitely my, my first guy I would pick. And the Seahawks, uh, however, given their recent draft practices, it's almost been a given on draft day that they would trade down. And given the fact that they only have two picks in the first four rounds, uh, they probably will be considering doing so again. How far would you consider trading back from 18 if you were John Schneider? Well, like you said, it's all about that, how much draft capital they can get from it. And I would say if, if I'm John Schneider, I would just, I would take a backseat. If I'm able to get out of the first round or, uh, you know, if we're talking two twos and a three, that's fine. We can do something. That would be something that's, uh, something that's acceptable for that 18 spot. But also if you want to trade down to maybe somewhere in the, in the thirties, potentially, but that'd be 31, 32. I would say hopefully they stay at that 18 because they, they need help at offensive line and they need help in that secondary. You know, you're going to lose out on some players that could really help your team out immediately. And if they if they left now, it would be extremely disappointing because they would have that lack of building. But that goes back to what we said before. That's if they don't trade Earl Thomas when it comes to draft time. Yes, and it's going to be very interesting to see what the Seahawks do come draft time. But let's for the moment assume that they stay put at 18 and let's give them Isaiah win. And as a result, they don't pick again to 120 overall in round four. Which uh, position should they address uh, in round four? You got you dressed offensive line. Now I think you got to dress defense. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So we got we have the offensive line taken care of on, over there. And I think in terms of defense, you want to go corner. Make sure you get uh, one of the guys I liked was at quite the cornerback position. I think he'll be there. It is a small school kid, uh, Devontae Harris from Illinois State. He's been a late riser. He played in the Shining Game. He's got a lot of experience um, at Illinois State. He's kind of what he's kind of fits that mold and what that Pete Carroll uh, defense needs to do. They need to be a tough kind of deep cover, but also tough in that man coverage as well. Uh, he's a consistent defender, and he's not afraid to get go through the receiver to make a play on the ball. Josh Forrest, Tyrant Scouting. You can follow him on Twitter at JPF Scouting. Josh, thank you so much for joining us once again. But before you go, uh, we need to talk about your Los Angeles Rams and come up with an ideal four-round draft haul uh, for them. And uh, as you know, and as I'm sure everybody listening at home knows, the Los Angeles Rams... Uh, just traded away their first round pick this year, 23 overall to the New England Patriots to get a speedy wide receiver, Brandon Cooks. And they also traded their second round pick this year, last August, to acquire Sammy Watkins, now with the Kansas City Chiefs. So they are devoid of first and second round picks as they have built this roster to win a Super Bowl this year. But they still need some more help in other places. Like I can think of edge rusher, linebacker, Mm. interior offensive line. So with the 87th pick overall, which is the first time the Rams will be on the clock in this draft, uh, which one of those needs would you attack first? I would go make sure, like I said, the offensive line in general is kind of a eh class. It's not as strong as as it was in previous seasons. Uh, I would actually go with uh, offensive guard. I, a guy that I liked was uh, uh, Braden Smith from Auburn. Was a guy I really liked watching. He's a good six six three fifteen guy. You know, big size, kind of a tough competitor. Again, a SEC guy uh, played against top talent, or I believe he played against a more aggressive defenses. And that's someone I think he could really contribute as a day one guy. And that, if that's what you're looking for, I think he'd be a great fit. You know, if you're looking to kind of build on a, uh, a player 
player, I thought someone, another player that I might might be there who might end up dropping. It was Austin Corbett from Nevada. Uh, he was a 66-4-306. He might struggle early in the passing game, but he's a tough run blocker, and that's something that they're going to need uh, with more consistency, especially if you, if you want to keep leaning on top early. So let's give them Braden Smith at 87, given their history of drafting Auburn offensive linemen, and they have three fourth-round picks, starting at 111 overall. We gave them the offensive line help. This is a very deep linebacker class. Which linebackers do you think would be available for the Rams to seriously consider at this spot? Well, I think, you know, when you want to go in, make sure you get the inside secured um, because you just traded away Alec Overtree to the Giants. And then, um, you know, Mark Barron, he's a great player, but he's not a consistent, you know, at 16 to 20, he's not going to be the guy who stops the run on a consistent basis. I like the guy. Uh, his name is Jannard Avery from Memphis. Uh, he's six foot two forty eight, but he runs a four five forty. Uh, he's a very uh, you can fly around. He's an effective run hit repeat linebacker. He's a, he's the kind of player that you want inside at that thirty four defense to stop the run, to go ahead and punch a fullback, punch a runner, punch a lineman. Doesn't matter. Come in and then secure those running lanes because they Rams got gashed uh, on a consistent basis. Uh, despite having the this, this success last season. Jannard Avery is a fast riser, man. He might not be available by then, but uh, for the Rams' sake, let's hope he's available at 111 overall. So we've given them Braden Smith and Jannard Avery and pick 135. We've given them the offensive line. We've given them linebacker, uh, edge rushers. This is a very poor edge rushing class, but I think you have to take a stab at some day three athletic specimen here that Wade Phillips would love. So uh, what edge rusher would you consider at this spot? Uh, edge rusher that I... I actually liked from this position. Like I said, it, it's kind of a, it's a weak class for some reason, but from an athletic standpoint, a guy that I really enjoyed watching was uh, a small school guy, Jonathan Franklin Meyer. Uh, I think he might, his stock has been rising consistently. He's, he's a 6'4", 283 guy. I think he can probably play on that outside pretty well. I think he can end up going into that uh, outside role or outside backer role for uh, Wade Phillips. He's a cons- He's a really good uh, stick your hand in the dirt and also come up on that two-point stance and come in and uh, make plays on the quarterback. Another edge rusher that I think has been, uh, like I said, from an athletic standpoint is Doris Armstrong Jr. from Kansas. Now, like I said, you want to, you might want to take a stab at him because he's not really refined and he kind of left Kansas early. And Kansas wasn't a great program, but he's got a lot of talent that can be molded and has an opportunity if he gets into Wade Phillips' defense to contribute as a situational pass rusher and then third is one of my other favorite players i would say ada runa from tulane and he's a 6'5 262 that's but he's been rising consistently i don't know if he'll be if he'll be gone by the time the rams have a chance to pick again but he's a definite uh pass rusher that wakefields will follow up with immediately if he has the opportunity to grab him i think he might be the first guy actually the rams pick again at 136 so they hold two consecutive picks at 135 136 so uh would you uh (laughs) So would you be surprised if the Rams use both of those picks to shore up their edge rushing depth? I'd say you don't it, – it's a passing league, so you never have enough edge rushers. You can never have enough players who play corner or, or defensive back. So I would – don't be surprised if they do grab two edge rushers. So let's just go say – Ada Runa and Doris Armstrong. Uh, I doubt Doris Armstrong will be there. So uh, what What was that small school guy's name again? 
John Franklin Meyer. Yes, and both would make sense because uh, the Rams dipped their toe in the Tulane uh, pool last year by taking Tanzel Smart. Uh, now they take Ada Runa, and at 136 overall, they take Jonathan Franklin Meyer. Then they also took another small school edge rusher, Samson Ebucam, out of Eastern Washington last year. Both would make tremendous sense for the Rams. And Josh, thank you so much for joining the program once again. You can follow him on Twitter at JPF Scouting. Uh, we thank you once again, Josh, and uh, can't thank you enough, and we definitely hope to have you on again sometime down the road. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Josh. Pleasure was all ours. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch with D-Crom. Stay tuned for the remainder of our division-by-division draft previews and a lot more draft-related content these next 20 days, so stay tuned. Also, be sure to check out the episode archive, including our 100th episode special, my interview with longtime NFL scout Greg Gabriel, as well as an up-to-date blog of mine at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that is crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Josh, especially since there's never an off-season for talking football. For Josh Forrest, our producer Chris Broadhead, this is David Cromelow saying so long, and of course, stay awesome.